Jessica Simpson. All right. Putting myself in the Jessica mindset. It's a good mindset. Welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing on vocals, it's Jessica Simpson. This Texas-bred, big-voiced pop diva has spent her career beset by harsh media, judgmental critics, and tabloid hell. But after 20 years in the spotlight, she's come out the other side of drugs, abuse, and reality TV to share an incredible amount of wisdom in her memoir, Open Book. Open book. Get that book open so we can learn everything we can. Open that book, Jess. It's time to open the book. Lock the gates and open the book. But first, let's introduce our own guests. From the B-Side podcast, returning, getting their two-timers challenge coin, it's Becky Stern, Hannah Wahlbecker, and Mimi Eisen. Welcome to the pod, guys. Thank you. Great Great to be here. Always an honor. Yes. Yes. We're your resident pop experts. Yes. Pop pop, pop spurts. We need, we need you in our lives. Everyone needs, needs you in, in their lives. If they know it or not, uh, the B sides as a, uh, email is so fantastic. Email newsletter podcast is fantastic. They go, they go long, they go deep. Uh, yeah, you guys rock. So we're very happy to have you. Uh, uh, and I certainly am happy to have you as well uh, as a guide because uh, <laughs> along with the the last time we had you on, this may be the least I know about uh, a musician's career. I certainly know Jessica Simpson as a uh, celebrity and like TV fixture of the early aughts, but I, uh, in all honesty, could not name a uh, Jessica Simpson song uh, for the life of me right now. Uh, so you will by the end of, this. I will by, I'm certain I will, I will by the end of it, but, uh, this is a, this is a big blind spot for me. So, uh, I'm glad to have some, some experienced guides and you all, you all read the book. So, you, you know, a plus guesting already, like usually I'm, I'm shouldering the weight by myself, <laughs> but how did, how did oh, you guys never. like the book? I really liked the book. I thought she, I thought I have very low expectations for celebrities memoir. Mm-hmm. So in the ones that I've read, which aren't that many, I actually thought this was pretty well written. I was wondering if she had a ghostwriter, which is horrible to say, but was eh. wondering if, she had a, if it was ghostwritten. I mean, they and almost pretty, all do. Yeah. Yeah. Or there was, was a with credit at the beginning. Yeah. Oh, yes. Jessica um, Simpson with some, some, some human. Like <laughs> her songs. Yeah. We also learned throughout the we book. We did. <laughs> the but three I of have... us decided to listen to the book actually oh shit did she read it as well mm-hmm. yes oh that's yes. wonderful how was the audiobook experience i um coerced everyone into doing this um <laughs> and uh you know i'm pretty happy with that i think you know it is a different experience and she did narrate it and then there were like six songs at the end new songs she was introducing i liked one to two of them a fair amount. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting experience because I think probably you can say when you were reading the book um, that you can tell when it's like a more emotional moment by the words, but you can actually hear her like tearing up or you can, when she talks about Texas, she's like, like we do in Texas, like <laughs> in every single chapter. She, she and I'm like, oh, it. Jessica, it's, it was like the most I've gotten from her since newlyweds. Um, and it was, yeah, you know, the sort of like ups and downs emotionally, you can kind of hear it. And that was interesting. Yeah. Cool. I, I was surprised. 
She cries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Wow. Definitely. Her voice like kind of shakes. And then I watched um, a bunch of YouTube videos of her also, because I've just been like really deep in Jessica Simpson content now. And she talks about how it was like an emotional experience for her to, to, to read the audiobook out loud. And I thought that was a really good experience. So it was a great 11 hours and 23 minutes of my life. Wow. Thanks to me. <laughs> but it actually, I was glad, Chris, that you were saying, you know, kind of what your baseline was. Because I actually like halfway through listening to the book, I kind of wish that I had taken more stock of what my baseline Jessica Simpson like thoughts or opinions or knowledge was because I thought I understood her. I mean, not that I understood her as a human, but I thought I understood who she was as a celebrity. And halfway through, I was like, wait, what did I like? I don't remember what I thought about her in 2003. I remember that I loved the song with you and I would like sing it on the bus to middle school, but I don't like remember what I thought about her. And I wish I could go back to pre open book Hannah and like take a little bit of a baseline check. Yeah. I think I feel I feel now or before we start about this, like I felt then that I didn't really consider her a musician as much as a celeb. Mm -hmm. I didn't know everything about John Mayer, which I'm sure we'll talk about. I I Um, had forgotten about John Mayer because she, she dated him for longer than I remembered. Certainly on and off, uh, including after her relationship with uh, Dallas Cowboys quarterback mm. Tony Romo Tony Romo <laughs> wow, this, like, it, what is this football uh the, I in addition to uh this being good Jessica Simpson content I, I imagine that this book is also just a uh, parade of mid-aughts uh hunks mm-hmm. I mean she hints that she's had some like she doesn't name names but like says that her girlfriends are jealous of like who she's hooked up with when she had her like true single moment I'm like spill Jessica spill like who was it <laughs> Orlando Bloom? <laughs> I don't know if you saw, speaking of, the, of John Mayer, which if I'm getting too out of myself, I can save it for when we're talking about him. But he hasn't, the only time he was asked about the book was when he went on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. Mm-hmm. And he had some like weird response or being like, yeah, I, I'm actually going to, let me find it, about like Pee Wee's play, like Playhouse. <laughs> He's the um, strangest man. Such a, I'm going to, it's too good not to get the full quote. <laughs> He was basically saying that he like it's important that you get the full quote because it was something super weird, but the sentiment wasn't weird and that he was like, I lived it, so I don't need to read it. But he said it in a super weird way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I knew he was um, a dick, but it was really, really heartbreaking to actually read in what ways he was dicky. Yeah, because it's so horrible and like so common for so many like there are so many dicks like this around the world who think they're John Mayer and this one actually is John (laughs) Mayer and goes around treating women like that and like you just I just felt for Jessica so much yeah he goes I've heard about it I've heard some bits but as Pee Wee Herman says in in Pee Wee's Big Adventure before the movie of his life is about to play out at the end he's not watching the movie and the reason he's not watching the movie he says is I don't have to watch it Dottie I lived it and I think that's the present the president here Oh God. God. I, I love that he has to get so like uh poetic and, and allegorical uh talking about uh Jessica Simpson's like just, memoir. Just say you didn't read it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And go. Uh me, Mimi, how what was your Jessica Simpson life experience pre-book? Thank you for asking. Um I I was definitely uh like following her music career in the late nineties and early two thousands because I watched TRL. And I really liked Nick Lachey and he was one of the only like boy band members who I thought was very hot as a child. And then every moment since then, 
except maybe now. I don't know. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I, I knew about that. And then I definitely watched Newlyweds as it was on because that was kind of like around the time my family got cable. And my brother and I were just like streamlining MTV constantly. And uh, yeah, so I I knew a lot about not her childhood so much, but a lot of her early years as a public figure and certainly like the whole newlyweds dynamic. And I've definitely got a lot to say about that. Um, but I definitely didn't remember. Maybe at some point I knew about John Mayer, didn't remember anything about that really or anything since then. I knew she had kids, but I didn't know much about it. Ooh, don't. Becky's don't holding up a picture of John Mayer and John Jessica Mayer, yeah. in her rare brunette phase, which I feel <laughs> like says a lot about like what she was going so through at much. the time. Yeah. No coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. It's so like when I, Betty I, Draper dyed her hair brown, like shit was going down. Right. Like you're going through a big change. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in some, I, I was not surprised about a lot of the um, stuff around her 20s, I guess, and late teens. Although I do have a couple things to say at some point. Um, but yeah, the a lot of the later stuff was definitely new to me. And a lot of the very early stuff um, was definitely new. Uh, I do have to say as we, b- before we get into this, uh, as a baseline, um, because it will come up often, uh, Nick Lachey for me, hometown hero, uh, a good Cincinnati boy. Well, not may- maybe not a good Cincinnati boy, but w- one of the few, the proud famous Cincinnatians. Chris got kicked out of like a V was it like a VIP lounge in a club? No, by no, Nick it, was, Lachey? it was, it was, it was like the lounge area of a fancy restaurant. It was one of the times I had gone home. Uh, after college, like when I was actually able to drink at home and me and a few of my high school friends uh, went to like a nicer restaurant to get a drink in the lounge to be like, ooh, we're fancy now. And like um, almost immediately after we sat down, like this clearly like club clubby posse starts piling into the same area and just like filling up the area and abutting us and like kind of scooching us over. And eventually Nick Lachey comes in and sits down with them. And people just like nudge us, nudge us over until eventually they're basically like, hey, can you guys get out of here? And we're like, yeah, fine. Fuck it, whatever. <laughs> so, wow. uh, so, so cucked by the Lachey posse. Mm. Wow. It's an honor. It, I, you know, in a, a weird way it is. And we they were, smell like, I bet they're, they just smelled really strongly. Strongly. Of I would say just strongly. <laughs> uh, I'm just seeing like gold, like, like tiny, like diamond earrings and like a lot of cologne yeah. and a lot of button downs. Like that Hollister cologne. Yeah. 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 2005, yeah. but just forever. Very yeah. pressed, crisp button downs with like the collar, the top button open and like not tucked in with like, I don't, you know, $600 Whoa. jeans like that, that kind of look. Swag. Uh, and we were watching uh, two episodes of newlyweds uh, right before this to again, get into the Je- to Jessica mindset. Uh, what? What's it, it on? It's on YouTube. Like, YouTube, like rip, the first rip to YouTube. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's so many there. Uh, oh wow! In like the first episode, we were uh, watching Nick was moving out of his old apartment, wearing a uh, Cincinnati Reds baseball cap and a uh, UC Bearcats uh, tank top. So uh, wow. re- repping five one three hard. It's yeah, a vibe. shout out, Hannah. What's your What's your prior Jessica mindset <laughs> before this? Um, you know, something I was thinking a lot about when I was listening to this is how much she is an iconic pop star. And yet I, I forget that a lot. You know, like Becky mm-hmm. and Mimi, we haven't talked about this, but a lot of times the three of us, when we're talking about pop music, which we do on a, on a regular basis, um, we will often like mention pop queens. And I don't think we've ever been like, you know, or Jessica Simpson. Like, I don't think no. we've ever used her as an example, although maybe Mimi has. I think that that's more of a touchstone for you, um, as we often think of Mimi as our like resident um, 
early aughts expert, even though we were all alive and around, but Mimi somehow was just really consuming a lot of like critical thinking at that point. Plugged in. Plugged in. Um, so extremely I online. Really, <laughs> extremely online. So I don't know. I, I feel like I was certainly aware of her. Um, I don't remember a lot of her songs actually. And I certainly was always rooting for her because I never didn't, like I never, I was never anti anyone unless I had a reason to be. So I was certainly rooting for her. I remember feeling bad for her in the, in the chicken of the sea debacle. And I, I remember feeling at the time what I still feel now, which is just a real deep sense of, um, women who are around men who make them feel bad so much that they start actually acting stupid because they have been cut down so much that they can't trust anything that's coming out of their own mouths. Yep. Like I remember being young and being like, that's what's happening. She fucking knows what this is. She just can't, she, she is like so scared of saying anything around this man. Yeah. And I think that even more today. So, um, and I definitely remember like her Halloween Instagrams, which came up as a important plot point early on and um yeah i feel like been i feel like this was a good time for me to consume this content because i've definitely kind of been like what's jessica simpson up to <laughs> like, probably like once every 18 months over the last few years and and now i got to know and now i'm like obsessed now i stand and and becky what is your what's your jessica simpson mindset i, f- I feel similar to hannah in that she always just to me was like a c or b list pop star Mm -hmm. she like and she talks about this in the book too like how Britney and Christina like definitely were like getting way ahead and she was like catching up to them for like I feel like for so much of her pop Mm -hmm. life or like trying to be them and she sets herself apart a little bit but she I don't know her voice is fine (laughs) I don't think it's like like Christina has a beautiful voice I don't know if Britney doesn't whatever and but <laughs> her voice like she yeah and I'll bet she's not a great actress which she talks about in it too she did become top of line for me when love is blind came out because mm, as yes. you know Nick Lachey is the host of that right or host in quotes for whatever he does he's There's definitely joking. there sometimes he's a hologram that they just shipped that in wouldn't surprise me if they deep faked him on someone else's body I can't but like now a, having one day where they just do a 3D scan of his entire face and then algorithmically generate the rest the rest of the uh, the hosting job. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, he was not needed. But it actually made me think that Jessica Simpson, not that anyone you know, winning a divorce, but I think she like really won she now did. having read her right. book and like I really love her new husband. Oh, um, yes, and the uh, Marianne Williamson retreat that he went on. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. That was the one detail Molly shared in advance that I was I try, excited to talk about. I try about. not to spoil Chris on things so we can talk about it fresh on the pod, but I was like, oh, I got to tell Chris this. Like the fact yeah. that Jessica Simpson's current husband like kind of ditched her the morning after they slept together to go to a Marianne Williamson seminar about spirituality in oh, business. They- Strong. Queen, king shit. Yeah. And then queen shit yeah. for marrying Mary, him. Yes. And of course, Marion um, Williamson just queen shit all the time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's how I, yeah. I'm excited to talk about the book. Great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, trying to figure out what list she's on, she is on or was on uh, will be interesting uh, now because I also agree that I, I guess at the time I always, I thought of her as kind of a B-list and I think that we can talk about this when it comes up, but her participation in Newlyweds was interesting at the time because we were still kind of figuring out then what being on reality TV meant for a star whether it was like slumming it or whether it was something like new and and um interesting or 
yeah, if, if it's if it is a sign of of I don't know your relative weakness as a celebrity or your relative strength that you can right. like anchor an entire show that people would want to watch that's just like here's like the episodes we watch were literally like here's Jessica Simpson like sorting her laundry and that it's like that was like the a plot of an episode I was gonna say it's like pre Kardashians yeah yeah that's like what they do on Kardashians mm-hmm. like yeah very no mundane later. sorting laundry is like a thing that they do <laughs> well not um yeah no I I too I was I was always aware of Jessica Simpson always aware of her as like a third stringer um, I, I personally was way more into Britney and then Xtina. And then by the time Newlyweds happened, like I was moving away from pop music kind of performatively, like trying to, you know, not be like all the other girls. But I was also like absolutely addicted to MTV because I was finally allowed to watch it. Like I think the, the same year I turned 13 and got my keys to MTV, Newlyweds came out. And so I, I like mainlined that shit and... Then from there, basically just thought of Jessica Simpson as like more of a character. And so this book, this book wrecked me, actually. Also, I think I was like hormonally, like obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic. There are emotions like I've been cooped up inside. I like was getting my period. And it's just like, I don't know. This book kind of fucked me up. But let's let's talk about it. Let's get in. (laughs) It was heavy. It was heavy. And she just you. my favorite books of these. And I've talked about this a little before. Like when you can tell someone's gone to therapy and like done the work, it makes for a better book. And she has gone to therapy. That's what I was singing the whole time, too. It's like it's very clear that she's worked on herself. Yeah. Like she knows her own mind. And like yeah. that, if you know your own mind, like you can write a good memoir generally. Um, so she and has she like the that. vocabulary to express mm-hmm. some of that because of, probably because of therapy. Yeah. 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 Well, like she. Yeah. Well, let's get into the the Jessica. The, the, let's open the book. Let's open her open book. I just like that she she basically introduced this book being like I had a different book deal, which was to write <laughs> you a motivational uh, manual about like being a girl boss because by the way Jessica Simpson has a clothing line that cleared a billion dollars in sales Jesus She's I did not know she that. is no bullshit like she I don't know why we're all you know hovering around Sheryl Sandberg or whatever like Jessica Simpson is is doing yeah. the shit with you know lots of help obviously but and then she she was going to write this book and then she was like actually I, I can't do this like it would not be the truth and this was the book that she wrote instead Mm-hmm. Um, but she it's funny she we start at her like rock bottom I actually want to like save that for last because I think it would be better to like build to like why she uh-huh. got that way are you but are you saying it starts in media res? it starts in media res uh-huh. um, but we'll get we'll get to the media res at the end end res um, but I want to talk like her early life basically I think I thought this was helpful just like the way she described it of like how like religion and her parents and like her kind of middle class but like hovering on the brink of insolvency like her parents declared bankruptcy when she was a kid and like her father was a youth pastor making like thirty thousand dollars a year at first like they were pretty solidly like lower middle class i guess Um, it's a consistent line i think throughout the book for her about clear money issues that stem from that right yeah so like from an early age like kind of being aware of financial struggles and then later like her father basically having a my money your your money is my money attitude like seeing where that stem from was interesting um which is also interesting because even in those two episodes of newlyweds we watched one of the issues that kept coming up is uh how they were spending money 
which you would think yeah. would not be as big of an issue for Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey in like 2003 or whatever, when they were both at the height of their celebrity and fame yep. and theoretically uh, clearing checks at the time. But, you know, in both episodes, it was it was a thing of Jessica Simpson being like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have spent this much money on lingerie to impress Nick Lachey when he's while he's auditioning the Pussycat Dolls to be his backup dancers. Right. Oh, my God. Um, she also she she says that she her father referred to Jessica as a busted condom, aka oh. she was uh, a, an accident, and she eventually used that in her sort of um, ministerial uh, teen activities of like recruiting people to be abstinent, saying uh, you know condoms are ninety nine percent accurate accurate, but I'm the one percent, so let's be abstinent. Like she kind of <laughs> turned into a, like a a little warrior for Christ. Isn't that an argument against her own existence? <laughs> I mean, she's a miracle. I guess. Don't, don't, don't have sex or don't use condoms and don't have sex because if you do, I would be born. <laughs> <laughs> but, but she's also, she's, she ends up being kind of like caught, like she, she's sort of, I don't, I don't know what the word she, she's called to the faith. Like she, t- mm-hmm. I, I didn't know anything about Baptist, but that's the faith that she grew up in. And I didn't realize that Baptists, you decide to be baptized when you are ready. Um, I, I was raised Catholic, so I was just baptized (laughs) against my tiny baby will, uh, and dunked in that water. But I just, I liked Jessica Simpson describes, you know, growing up as a Baptist. She said, uh, growing up, there would be kids who would get baptized a lot. I always (laughs) kind of rolled my eyes at that. It's not a car wash, you know? (laughs) I don't know. The, I I liked getting the the perspective on the evangelical shit because we also yeah. all knew her as the pop star who was saving herself for marriage for religious reasons. Yeah. Oh, was that a was that a, a Jessica Simpson thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a thing, and that was how she differentiated herself basically from Christina and Britney of being like, yeah, I'm sexy, but I'm like good girl sexy, and I haven't had sex yet, and I won't until I marry somebody. But and I thought it was interesting in the book too when in her early years, there was so much focus on her breasts yeah, and how so many of the priests were like, put those away, like yes. save yourself. And she was like, I literally can't. These are my boobs. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. There's like, like body horror. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. They sexualized her at, since like she was 12. And so no wonder, I mean, we, when we get to all the sex abuse stuff too, but like, no wonder she was like so fucked up from yes. early on there and had so many misconceptions or like about sex and everything, because literally she would go to sing like, some church song and they'd be like, I'm sorry, your daughter, like it's give, making me hard. I, I can't look at her because she's double deep. Like boobs. you're, you're simply too hot. The, for the body Lord. that God gave yeah. you is also yeah. sinful. <laughs> yeah. And what? she's like, I literally like couldn't do anything about these. These are my tits. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, well, let's, we can, you know, con- content warning, sexual abuse. She, this is a, a new revelation. This was not something that I don't think she had mm-hmm. ever shared in the press previously, but she was sexually abused by the the daughter of a family friend that they would see a few times a year. And uh, this story is insane. She basically found the courage to tell her parents on the car ride home from one of those visits. And they, for whatever reason, got, got lottery tickets, like they each got a scratcher. And after she told them, everyone was kind of like stunned and silent and being like, oh, my God. And then she fa- found out that she won $1,500 on her scratcher. And then they never talked about the abuse again. Wow. That is uh, bizarre. Yeah. By what the, a car ride. The daughter of a family see. friend was the abuser? Yeah. So she was a year yeah. older than her. And wow. they were like kids. And this went on for years. 
And then she she said that's what she saw her se- sex and her body solely in terms of power. Yeah. Which I think explains a lot of yeah. just like how her career went and life went. Um, I mean, I don't, this is, this is a weird thing to say, but I like to, evaluating how, how I felt about her as a musician. I mean, I, I guess like at the time, and I, this is part of like a media thing and also part of me being a, like a teenage boy, I guess my assumption would have been at the time like, oh, she is a famous singer because she is hot. Like mm-hmm. that is, that is the reason that she is a famous person rather than any kind of like talent or anything. It's like, oh, they just like find hot people and make them famous performers or something. Uh, you know, it would be, you know, if you're 14, hot first talent. Yeah. Second. If you're like, and if you're like a 13 or 14, 15 year old boy in like observing that, you know, I don't think that's an unreasonable thing, especially considering like the, uh, how they are portrayed in the media. Like I was just looking up some media stuff of her, remembering the, uh, her like housewife of the year, Rolling Stone cover. Yeah. Stuff oh my like that. God. I forgot about that. Oh, I forgot about that. <gasps> yeah. Uh, it, isn't she on the cover vacuuming in her it, underwear yeah. and high yes. heels? Yes. Yeah. What was I wrong with us? I was like, I forget about this. Yeah. Well, I think that's that point is like so complicated because and it's something I in some ways she talked about the she talked about her body and the way and and the the point about power you were sharing um, in ways that I found so uh, insightful and important to kind of like pull back the curtain. And I didn't want to be this person, but there was there was stuff I wanted more of in some ways. Like mm-hmm. she she didn't actually go into as much what it felt like to transition to being a sex symbol. And as as much as I like kind of was interested in her sharing, especially grounded in the background that you are sharing and where we are in the, in the plot right now in terms of her at first being really called to go into this business to 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 spread the word about Jesus. Like that's what she wanted to do. And, and, and her transition that, you know, as the years go on to to becoming a sex symbol is really complicated. And Chris, to what you were saying, something that I thought was really also missing was um, during her, like when she's like getting there um, to become, you know, more and more famous and becoming this, this pop star, she doesn't talk about how something that helped her was that she was hot. And of course that was there, right? Like when she's talking to agents what, how she describes it is they listened to my demo and they were like, you're it. And <laughs> that happened. And they were like, you're hot. Yeah. You know, she, like le- those things left out is that they were doing like the Tex Avery, like howling wolf eyes oy, 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 oy. At, at her as they were listening to the de- demo. Right. Like those things happen at the same time. And um, I'm, I, I would be curious to hear her, her perspective on, on that. Uh, just, just to clarify, because I think this is funny and very telling of the time that the housewife of the year, I remembered it as being a vacuum, but she is in fact holding a, uh, Swiffer wet jet. <laughs> and I oh, even better. better. <laughs> even better. With Innovation. the Swiffer logo, like, yeah, yeah. wow, do you think that's some nice spawn if they, yeah. if they managed to yeah. pay for that? I'm not that's sure. It's like, like influencing FCC. before Instagram. Uh, totally. Wow. I feel like that's very, uh, an extremely 2003 image. Yeah. Yeah. Hannah, to your point, I agree. Like, I don't. She definitely almost seems like she's embodying like the the Christian like I'm just a vessel thing, yes. and that's like kind of her explanation for not her non explanation really for like how she went from you know she was a teenager and she was called she basically felt one service to be called to use her voice to change the world, and mm-hmm. you would think that that would be like in a religious sense like kind of the way Katy Perry started out like doing either Christian pop or she started with a gospel uh, 
a very bogus sounding gospel record deal that right. burned out like from a family friend. I'm like, this is so sus. Um, <laughs> but then she just ends up with like kind of no analysis, just being like, well, yeah, no, that didn't work out. And so like I'm going mainstream and there's not a lot of like stress about that, even though I'm like that should theoretically be uh more stressful to you. But I do wonder if it is because, I mean, she talks about she was bullied horribly in high school because she trusted a friend with the story of her sexual abuse. And that friend told everyone and basically was like, Jessica Simpson is a lesbian. And she was like ostracized. Like her house was vandalized. Like people were putting trash in her locker. Like they had to intervene basically. Like the school had to intervene. And yet she then kind of turned herself into like what I can only describe as like kind of like a hot girl for Jesus. (laughs) And so I feel like that same impulse maybe is what turned her into like, okay, if I can't be a hot girl for Jesus and that's that can't be my like number one success thing, like I'll just be a hot girl for people (laughs) and and still represent, you know, values or morals or whatever. Yeah, but it's like they knew, though, because her dad, who was a a pastor or priest or a pastor, Pastor. they were like, ah, yes, but like we also you can't really be a public facing pastor if your daughter is going to be like, quote unquote, a hot girl pop star. Yeah, it's like the Jonas Brothers, too. It's (laughs) the same thing. The Jonas Brothers like couldn't kick it as like as a uh, Jesus band. And so their father, who was a pastor, they had to they basically got excommunicated from the church. I actually didn't know that story. You should watch Happiness Begins. <laughs> Is that their doc? Yeah, the it Joe came Bro out doc. last year. It's great. Great. We might we might <laughs> have to do an episode podcast about it. Okay, yeah. great. Okay, great. Amazing. Easier, quicker. <laughs> um. So yeah, she Jessica Simpson as once again a, a late teen. She's a teen star. Kind of transitions into from you know religious vibes to just regular pop vibes. She gets signed by signed to Columbia by Tommy Mottola who used to be married to Mariah Carey. There's definitely some weird like puppetry of like Tommy Batola being like, I shall make you my next diva, <laughs> but also lose 15 pounds. Like you, she immediately gets kind of sucked into the, the pop girl machine that was really gaining steam because uh, Brittany and Christina were just edging her out at every step of the way, including the Mickey Mouse Club, mm-hmm. who Jessica auditioned for and blew it. That that section was devastating to read personally. Horrible. Like you know what happens because you know, you know, but it's still so dramatic to watch it all unfold. Yeah. Um. She, she, the way she characterizes young Justin Timberlake, I'm like, oh, this this little rat. Like she basically <laughs> bombs her her final audition and comes off stage and she says, Justin says, "Ooh, what did you just do?" Oh no, Justin. So mean. I, I'm just thinking about this, the weird cultural intersection between like Christian performance and like Disney youth farm and how many of those people are like come out of a, a uh, that, there, that there is a dedicated trajectory in America from like Jesus entertainer to wholly owned subsidiary of Disney to like mainstream sex icon. And that, that has, has happened for like multiple people. And has only really stopped now. Like who do you, I don't know who the last person to kind of squeeze through that pipeline was. I don't know, but I think the pinnacle of what you're talking about, which started earlier in this era that we're talking about with Jessica, but the pinnacle of all of it was the high school musical franchise, which was perhaps yeah. in a subtext 
way and also in an obvious way. Um, like one of the most Christian. Yes taste things to ever come out of of any Disney anything. I have no... And it was also the most popular. I have no idea about this because I don't really know that the cast that well, but I would speculate offhand that at least 50% of the core cast members of the High School Musical franchise came up from an evangelical background. Could be. Yeah. We can Google it. We can. Somebody somebody check my my math on that. I mean, to, to your point, like I do think that growing up evangelically especially if you are you end up kind of starring in your church like because being evangelical like you are performing in front of an audience a captive audience but you like it's kind of like the the biggest talent show of your youth until you then move on to some other machine that is somewhat similar that requires you to be like super marketable and friendly but also alluring because you know uh so creepy dads will pay attention to you too like it kind of all converges into this weird attention right. vortex. It's like half spiritual where you're told that you are like chosen and destined for something special and half just circumstantial where you actually every Sunday you get an audience and then you get really good because yeah. every Sunday you're singing in front of huge crowds. Yeah. Yeah. And she does, you know, as as Jessica moves into like her early pop star days, like she makes a point of saying like her family, despite like trying to work the machine a little bit also knows nothing. And so they just accept what everyone tells them. So like if Tommy Matola says lose 15 pounds, you lose 50, like you get on diet pills and you lose 15 pounds and then some, uh, like if they say, you know, you need a six pack for your next video, like you get it. Like there's no pushing back because they don't have any power. Like they aren't entrenched in the system. They're still at odds with it. And so that was once again, like I always, we always talk about now, like pop stardom is, is labor and she was exploited just like anyone else. She, it was just a slightly different flavor because she was a virgin. <laughs> so it kind of doubled it in a way of just being like, no, we're once, once you get married, like everyone will know you've had sex and then we can move on to the next level of your career. I don't know. It's kind of gross. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, it is also interesting. I think when, there, I don't know how much this comes through, but there must just be, I think, like a mental decision you make at some point where you get like the you get like the contract, you get the manager and you just have to be like, OK, I'm going to be not just a professional singer or entertainer. I'm going to be a pop star. And I think at least for if I was imagining anything like that, it, it seems like at a certain point you would it would kind of be like a decision to put yourself in like autopilot or something and just be like, all right, uh, I'm going to get famous and potentially rich off of this. Uh, and to do it, I will just do what all these people say that, that are going to make me tell me that they're going to make me famous. And I think that that, I don't know, I, I, I kind of get a sense of that from, from various ones of these memoirs that we read that at a certain point, you like just kind of put yourself on rails. Yeah. And then, yeah, I don't know if it's always that much of a decision. Um, not that it's not at all a decision, but I think sometimes, and what it seemed like with some of this is, is, um, when things kind of snowball and then you wake up years later and you're like, Oh my God, who am I? Or how did I get, how did I get place? here? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. So she enters the, enters the machine, enters the, the pop star factory basically. And like kind of carves out her lane, which is like, she has a big voice. She's not really a dancer. 
Like she can do these kind of overblown ballad things. I had personally forgotten. I had thought that her first song was the like, I think I'm in love, but it was actually, I'm going to love you forever. Can you cue that up, Chris? I'm going to love you forever. I'm going to, I think I want to love love you forever. I want to love you forever. Which is more in the Mariah realm of like kicking off with like a big ballad like she did with Vision of Love in 19... 90. Right. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting way to come out as opposed to like the uh, hit me baby one more time. Can you guys all hear this? Also unmistakably womanly like she's not you know there's the girl versus woman pop thing but like this is her being like I, she's like what 18 right she sounds really mature in this like it's kind of like an a ballad you would sing in like your 30s or something i don't know it almost sounds like it could be like a celine dion song or something I realize I know more of her songs than I thought I did. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard this song in my life. It should be your first dance. <laughs> oh man, let's do it. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things in all pop music is uh, dramatic drums during diva ballads. Like the big fill, like fills at the end of uh, uh, things here. I'm just waiting for a big fill. Might, might be a little bit. Yeah, it might be a little bit. The, you know, the most heart, like, one of the most you heartbreaking. You the guy collapsing over the drums going, uh, One of the most heartbreaking details from this book actually is Jessica Simpson saying that she was upset that she had to sing this live in a midriff revealing top because her technique taught her that for the big notes, you actually have to stick your stomach out to hit them. So she's literally battling between like being a good singer and being like a skinny hot pop star. I was like, damn, girl. Uh, that is one of the most uh, direct illustrations we've ever heard of the uh, the contradictions inherent in the, in this job. What year is this? Like ninety. Or something? 99? 99. 99, yeah. She's young. She's 19 here. She's born in 1980. Yeah. She meets Nick. This is, yeah, she, she marries Nick when she's like 22. Wow, this really goes. All right. All right, we, we, we can move on for this. Let's move on. I, I would also say, notably, um, separating her from the rest of her, her class right now is the matureness of their voice because when you think about like Britney Spears at this time she's doing like that like breathy baby voice little thing. baby yeah yeah um and I guess Aguilera was a little brassier but you know there was kind of an generally like an affectation in, in young female pop voc- vocals then just like there is now yeah yes she was definitely like kind of in some ways in between Britney and Christina like she could hit the big notes and have like a huge voice but also was very much like I have no idea how you explain it like a vocal coach would be able to but like when you keep your voice like in your throat in your mouth and like kind of make I don't know it's very breathy yeah like she did she 
could do both of those things. It's, it's funny because I don't think of her as a good singer, but now upon like re-listening to her things, she actually was and is. Oh my God. So you have to listen to, you have to watch because she dances too. You have to watch her version of um, a song from the from a chorus line oh. it's on YouTube. What? Um, Music in the Mirror, which is like an unbelievable song. It's a really hard song to sing and dance to. And it has a dance solo that's like five minutes long that she kills by herself. What? And <laughs> it's so, you have to be so good at singing. And she's like 17 when she's doing it and she kills it. So what? I watched that. Video and I was what like, is the right. song? The Music and the Mirror. We just watched a chorus I just, line. I just made Chris watch a chorus line for the, for the <laughs> first time for him. Wow. Um, that's He's amazing. Talented. She and then the other part of her, you know, navigating this journey is that as basically as soon as she gets famous, even a little bit, she meets Nick Lachey, who is more famous than her. And he's in 98 Degrees. He's got that boy band, uh, you know, kind of army with him. And he's older. He's seven years older. And mm-hmm. I, I like the way she describes him when she first meets him. He's wearing red overalls with the left strap off and a cream turtleneck. Oh, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> wow like if, if i saw that across the room i would i would definitely want to to know what was going on there too and so they they kind of build this thing together where she will open up for him on tour and kind of take the abuse of people uh of female fans who are upset that she's dating him um she says that their she, dynamic she was like the heel of the nick lachey tour <laughs> right she says their dynamic was um, the sexy virgin and the long suffering, but still understanding hot prince. Yeah. I mean, do we do we feel that uh, Nick Lachey is a hot prince? Some of I us know, did. This book made me really hate him. Yeah. So, no, I'm not reading this book. I mean, from from three from my general from being kicked out of a bar by his posse and my general impression of him just generally vaguely knowing who he is from, you know, pop culture and Cincinnati shit and three episodes of uh the newlyweds, I would say that Nick Lachey is uh, kind of a dipshit. He did not come off well in this book uh, at all. I thought she she was actually fair to him because yes. it's clear that she's like worked through her own like reflection of the relationship. But yeah, ugh. yeah, you, there's not bitterness there. Like it's just kind of like, she, yeah, you're right. She's very like clear eyed and just being like. You know, looking back, I was a baby. Like I could barely take care. I really even couldn't take care of myself and was like pushed from being with my father to being with this guy who then was kind of pressuring me to be, a, you know, the perfect housewife or housewife of the year or whatever. Um, but then so like immediately her career, like her music career and her career as a famous person are totally linked to monogamy and marriage with this guy. And then also like sex wise, like she uh, obviously she marries him and then she gets to finally sing about having sex. Uh, the She says this is before she marries him, but she said for her second album, the pressure she was getting for certain type of song, she said, uh, I had been able to pull off sexy virgin, but acting like a woman who loved sex, but had never actually done it was a math problem. I could not quite figure out. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah. And so she goes from, she's, is getting famous. She's with Nick. She marries Nick. And then immediately her father pitches newlyweds to MTV. And I kind of didn't realize, like I couldn't really fully grasp it when it was airing. The fact that she was basically learning how to be married at the same time that she was just filming a completely new format of television show. Yeah. Everything about it is, uh, watching newlyweds now is, is very, um, 
it's interesting because it just shows you how much our uh, cultural technology of reality television has developed over the last 20 years. Um, I mean, we could obviously talk about reality TV forever, but you know, they're still like really figuring out what it is then. And then reality TV gets like really even dirtier and, and like more shameful in the late aughts with all like the VH one, uh, like celeb reality type stuff where they're just like mining their own content down to the, the bottom, you know, the, the flavor of love shit. And then Bravo figures out exactly how to do it where it's like, it's, it's a little sleazy, but everybody on the show is in on the joke and everybody is there not because the reality TV show is about their actual lives, but because their actual lives is the reality TV show. And it like works in a way where you can enjoy it, but uh, it, it comes off the same way. But the, this thing is like, you know, well, while the Kardashians are like doing their laundry because they want to be on the t- uh, on because they think it's good reality TV show content. Watching this is like Jessica Simpson's actually trying to do her laundry and there's just all these cameras around for the first time. Yeah. For the first time in her life. Yeah. And, and doesn't know how to do it. And it's, it's, it's both extremely dull and extremely, uh, I don't know, uncanny. Yeah. A theme that I thought, um, was present throughout the book, but was very much like in stark relief in this piece was just about her own, um, her own, like typical human journey with self-confidence and self-esteem that was juxtaposed with like un like absolutely unreal in some ways, like quite literally experiences that she was having. And I feel like that was present in the parts that we've already covered in terms of um, growing up and being told that she's very talented and like trying and like doing all this work and then suddenly becoming famous. And it's clear that she has a very healthy like amount of self-esteem actually in a lot of ways. Like she would say things like I knew I was good or like I knew I nailed that or you know, things like that, but it doesn't seem like she ever had an opportunity to, at the same time, kind of, uh, cultivate a really, a healthy way to be critical of yourself at the same time. Like you have to be critical of yourself in some ways. You have to know when you did a bad job or you have to know when you can do better and you have to know who to trust. And I feel like it's at this point in her career when, you know, there's more and more resentment building with her husband who is, who was more famous suddenly isn't. And she knows that she deserves to be on the cover of Rolling Stone, but also feels horrible about it because he was supposed to be on it. And it's just, uh, it, it was really tough to watch, you know, that that kind of balance between self-criticism and self-esteem that I just felt like she was not set up for success to know how to navigate that. That's yeah, funny to I think, think that Nick was more famous of her when she was, uh, right. when they got married, because I, he, he, I would always have thought of her as like the higher lister than him. It's like also it makes sense too when you think about her, how her entire life up to them too. She's like never really had people who are supportive of her for like being supportive for her. They are supportive of her because they were capitalizing off of what she was producing. Like no one was like, Oh, Jessica, like this will be so good for you. Like as you grow as a human, it was more like, this will be so good for you for the brand that I'm profiting off of like the newlyweds. Yep. So it also makes sense. Then when Nick was also like the fuck, like now the girl I married is out leading tours. Like this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. 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 He could not hang. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I think there's, I think there's um like even more of an element. So because this is one of the first reality shows that actually sort of personally follows celebrities in this way, I mean, at the time a little bit, but also looking back, it it really is kind of a set. Like they never unpack over three years. They never, they don't have any furniture. They have that like weird foyer with the, sta- the round staircase that goes up. Yep. And it's just like hollow. 
and um molly, molly was saying of, it, it looks identical to the to the joke empty house that uh uh tobias and tobias and Lindsay move into in the fourth season of arrested development it looks <laughs> exactly. like a booth property yeah where they can't yes it looks like a, where they can't find each other because there are too many empty rooms oh, right yeah exactly um so there's a lot of that and there's a lot of you really see over the course of the show and she lays it out in the book, but you really see um, that she is going here and there to do all different types of things. She's going on tours. She's filming Dukes of Hazard, And Nick is like around the house, like um, washing, cleaning the driveway. <laughs> and like, do, and she's like, what are you doing? Why don't you just wait till it rains? Like, um, <laughs> I'm like fishing things out of the pool um, at the same time. And one thing that I was kind of like saving from earlier, but wanted to talk about is obviously we all know the, the chicken of the sea debacle. Yes. I do not know what this is. You don't? No, you're going to have to Jesus, fill me in. Jesus, Chris. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, what, real, what, did she, did she have like a tuna controversy? What is this? Yeah, no, yes. she absolutely did. And then, and then <laughs> I want to talk about one other chicken adjacent controversy, but um, she, <laughs> yeah, basically she's eating a can of tuna chicken of the sea brand and she's like is this what i what what i have is this chicken or is this and he's like no it's tuna and she's like i mean i know but it says chicken of the sea and she doesn't get it and it's like a moment um early on and then it becomes so famous and it's in her music video with you and it's like all over the place because people thought it was just so funny it's a meme um just yeah. kind of yeah yeah it was like a meme of that moment. Mm -hmm. um, and then they just start, I think, kind of writing into the show all of these moments for her to, like, say something dumb as a soundbite. Because um, I don't think she's, you know, she's, I don't think anyone would argue that she is, like, the smartest person or even pop star that we know. But she's not as dumb as, there's, there's one um, episode where they're out and they're eating buffalo wings. Yep. And she goes, she says, like, they ask if she wants them. And she's like, no, I don't eat buffalo. <laughs> and and Nick is like, babe, you know that like this is chicken. You know this. And he's like frustrated because she and she is like laughing through it, too, because I think she knows. But she is like she might just be doing a bit at that point. She's doing a bit at that point because and you can see kind of like the way the cameras are manipulating it. She's doing a bit. And it's like frustrating him and and her friends who are like it's chicken at that point season three. Um. I, I mean, <laughs> even from watching just a few ep episodes of it, I would say that my overall impression of her is that she seems extremely normal. Uh, yeah, but in not like in like the most like non evaluative way possible. Is like she seems like a, a nice normal person. But she, uh, but she is, figured out how to play a character. Yeah, and then, but which you and you need like a character to be for it to be good reality TV. So again, at a, again, it's like at a certain point, you're like, well, if I'm if I'm doing the show, then I'm doing the show, and I'll just like lean into, you know, what makes this more entertaining, uh, right? Um, or you're being pressured to do that by the the show's producer or maybe your own father. Right. Totally. Um. But I think so. What was interesting to me, bringing it back to the book, is that when she. I was like really laser focused when she was talking about parts of newlyweds because she was being so open and, and, you know, like you've all talked about, she is very self-aware of a lot of things, but when it came to those moments, she said basically that they were all just kind of like dumb blonde moments 
instead. And I wanted her to be like, at some point, the show was telling me to do this because mm-hmm. I still right. I think that that is the truth. But maybe there's a reason why she couldn't do that. Yeah. I also think she she was even maybe trying to play further into the conception that everyone had of her as a dumb blonde in like other parts of the book. Like when she's talking about um, doing USO tours and playing in the Middle East uh, singing for for station troops, which just, you know, side note, obviously our our endless war is awful. But like Jessica Simpson, kind of low key a hero for like doing that. Oh. <laughs> She's like she's like our number one troop supporter, possibly in America. And I feel like she needs some recognition for that. Like she was out there in fucking in Kuwait and shit. And she but she admitted when she was talking about this this section of her life that she didn't know what she hadn't known what Bosnia was. And yet she was doing shows there. And she was. But she was like at an air base in Bosnia. And I'm like, I feel like that's her trying to like call, call back to the the conception that everyone had of her as like someone who. You know, is full of heart, but like not necessarily the the brightest, you know, bulb in the tanning bed or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe we can say that the we can all agree that the imperialism is bad, but Jessica Simpson's desire to entertain entertain the troops it comes from a pure place. <laughs> you glossed does. over. I'm sorry. The best part of the book is how nine ele- nine eleven is how she and Nick, who are on a break, got back together. Yes, nine eleven yes. story. Okay, thank you for it reminding me. Together. Because yeah. we, we love 9-11 in our music memoirs always. And 9-11, uh, she was, you know, terrified. She was at a point where she might not have stayed with Nick before they got married. Uh, uh-huh. And if things were looking rocky. But Nick was in New York because so many celebrities were in New York for the Michael Jackson tribute concert at MSG that happened the night before 9-11. And he was there and she was like, cursed. oh, my God. Fully cursed. I have yeah, to. I, I have to marry this man. Uh, we we yeah. have we have identified the uh, the New York City nine ten two thousand one Michael Jackson tribute concert as it a, put a lot of celebrities in the crosshairs. Uh, yeah, as, oh, wow. as a weird as a weird moment of collective pop cultural trauma for uh, a lot of varied musicians. I didn't know about this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we've, we've only known about it because it, it like <laughs> it just cross, keeps coming up cross referencing through so many musicians' memoirs of being like nine eleven. I had just performed in the, the Michael Jackson tribute concert the night before, so I was there when it happened. Wow. Very weird. Um, yeah, so we we can move onward. Obviously, her marriage imploded not long after. she. Ba- they barely made it through their co- contract on the show. Which and like what, by the seasons? end, Which was three seasons. And by the end, they, she says that they were so... The show had wrapped, but they were so paranoid that they were still being filmed that they would go outside to fight in like a driveway because they had had a camera in their TV and like another couple of hidden ones. And so they were so basically honestly like traumatized by just having their marriage, the entire length of their marriage be observed that they couldn't be real with each other unless they felt like they were out of the, the, the is, is there any sense that the show caused the marital trauma or do you think that it was a doom would have been a doom marriage even had it not, uh, been, filmed it during its entirety i think that the show made her more famous which then gave them marital problems but i do think their marriage was doomed from the start and she probably would have ended up more famous than he was anyway which was the root of their yeah. problems i mean it sounds like that. from yeah. what i'm inferring from what you guys are saying it sounded like uh nick wanted jessica to be a good wife but he had yeah. no interest in being a good husband 
Totally. Yeah. Which is in the, in the sense that like he expected her to be the one at home while he was being famous. But if the situation was flipped, that was not uh, in the in the cards for him. And his solo career bombed, which I was reminded I hadn't thought of his first solo album for years, but it is called Solo, but it's spelled S-O-U-L-O, oh, no. which that's just <laughs> what the fuck happened there. That sounds like that sounds like a robot from a 60s sci-fi mo- oh, mo- wow. movie program to have a, a, a conscious. What's left of me though is a jam. What's so. left of me is amazing. Talk about it. I wish she had talked about it. She mentions is- it. She mentions it. She does. Oh. She talks about it. Yeah, because it's he out. like was pretty much manufacturing newlyweds, like right. recording about it, like right. so he could like talk about filming that song so he right. could get famous off of Content. it. Should we listen yeah. to a little Nick Lachey during this, or should or do we not uh, deign to uh to to yeah. broadcast him? We'll put, put, on what's, put on what's left of me because this is so they, they divorce uh, and their their post-divorce musical um, approaches are way different. Jessica rec- records a party album and Nick records a sad album. We need to talk about how he made her listen to it and what, what happened when he made her listen to it. Yes. It's also fact because I don't think he was that sad. It's so manipulative. No, he wasn't. He he was capitalizing off of it. And in the divorce, he was capitalizing off of how she was more wealthy. and bad. I haven't listened to this song in probably 15 years. Uh, not not for me, but for someone else, this would be a good karaoke song. Yeah. That's a good point. It is a good one. Yeah. Oh, my God. Next B-Sides karaoke party. Oh, yeah. This song kind of goes. I forgot. Oh, it slaps. It only oh, gets He was better. just such a sad sack. Yes. That second music video, isn't the music video him like standing? Like, like yes. in the yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to say about yeah. the music video because his future wife and TRL yes. DJ Vanessa yes. is in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Cast yes. That's how they, they met, I think, yeah. doing this. <laughs> he literally cast his new wife. Yeah. They weren't dating yet. Yeah, this is kind of a jam. I get it. <laughs> this came out in 05, 06. Yeah, I would have said five. Five, yeah. It's crazy. I feel like it came out yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ready? Yeah. The best part is coming over. <laughs> uh, do you, can they, does anybody know the name of Nick Lachey's most recent album? No. I don't think he makes music anymore, does he? Uh, well, in 2013, he released an album called A Father's Lullaby, oh, in which he is posing on the cover with his uh, tiny child. Uh, I don't know. It is an album for for children. The songs are called, like, Baby Mine. Uh, you are, he does You Are My Sunshine, When You Wish Upon a Star. Ooh, there's a deluxe edition as well. All right, this is a uh, this goes. I agree. That's 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 Nick Lachey. And then that's could, all we need can to hear you cue up a public affair 
because Jessica Jessica talks about how basically, you know, Nick gets to milk this sad boy aesthetic. Meanwhile, she's like, I just wanted something fun and 80s. And like people were not ready to see her as like a single woman. Yeah. Yeah. A happy woman. (laughs) Uh, All right. So here's a public affair. Isn't this music video with people rollerblading? Yeah, there's a really long intro yeah. to the music video. I don't know. And there's celebrities in it, I think. Yeah. Now I, have yeah. To I don't really remember this song being that big, but... It wasn't. She talks about it. Yeah, it kind of flopped, but yeah. I remember the rollout of it. It was like semi-flop. I think this got more play than like the album did. I do not know all the yeah, words. like that, the, that funky, like, uh, the funk guitar in the back. Um, the celebrities that appear in this video are Christina Applegate, Christina Milian, Eva Longoria, Eva Longoria. Maria Menounos, Andy Dick, Oof. and Ryan Seacrest. Andy Dick is the guy who has sex dreams about them, and Ryan Seacrest is their limo driver. Thank you. Wow. Oh my God. I just, I just rewatched back. it recently. That's the only reason I know that. <laughs> This has kind of like a Janet Jackson yeah. element to it. Reject. Like, Janet was like, eh, it's good, we can do better. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to the drawing board. I mean, this is, you know, I, w- I want to be generous. This is good, but it's not like exceptional or anything. It's not light. Right. It's very light. Yeah. Uh, don't you guys just love when the party don't stop? I believe it's really the potty. The potty don't That's like a very like potty. Turns Boston for a second when the potty yeah, don't I stop. Like the very, potty like, don't stop. So we uh, have a weird accent. Uh, <laughs> for me, the, the, the party's always don't stop in. It's don't stop in. So, okay. I really was moved by the part of this when Nick forced Jessica to listen to his entire new album. <laughs> And what, one of the things I wrote down that she said was, you know, how many women are made to feel responsible for the actions of men and basically that he just wasn't taking responsibility for absolutely anything. And what she didn't say, but what I was kind of reading uh, between the lines was that he was essentially gaslighting her for a lot of the marriage and blaming a lot of things on her. Yep. And then essentially he like he he made her listen to this album that was like all about how much he hates her, which, as we've covered, was a little bit like just that was just good content for him because actually he always hated her before the divorce. That's why they got divorced. The resentment that was building that had nothing to do with, with newlyweds. And then I also wrote down that she said at this point, when she's sitting with him listening, she says, how do you react when you find out you hurt someone so deeply that they feel entitled to such actions, meaning like to be this rude on, on, uh, on a, on a CD, on a record. She said, I felt manipulated into some revenge fantasy because she was like, now you're making me listen to this. Like, what the? What do you want me to say? Like, yeah. wow, good, good record, Nick. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'm, yeah, I'm also like, trying to think of it as being like <laughs> Nick being like, see, this sucks. It's your fault that this music's bad. Right. <laughs> <sighs> oh yeah, no, that was not that was not great. It's funny because then she, Jessica Simpson, later plays her music for her father like yeah. on her like kind of rock bottom time. So there's right. so, there's so much captive audience uh, album playing happening in this world. I just like, it's like, shut the door. We're not done until track 13. 
you will hear my my side of the story. God, imagine making anybody observe anything you create is so mortifying. Imagine like doing that in form of in some form of like relationship punishment. That's that's Nick Lachey, baby. <laughs> host of host of Love is Blind. Um, we'll we'll keep it moving. The, we get into like Jessica singledom territory slash Jessica John Mayer territory. So like at this point, we kind of get away from music. Like she drops this album. It gets a lukewarm response. I'm pretty sure the only other album she does is a country album. And then she kind of stops music period. Like she does seem to sort of lose confidence in it, but also it seems like this sort of celebrity aspect of her her life takes over. So she's with John Mayer and he's, he's awful. I, it's funny. Like I, before this, I was, I was aware of John Mayer as I remember his sort of like public meltdown where he like talked about Jessica Simpson as sexual napalm uh-huh. in a Playboy interview. Oh God, talked that was, about, that said, was her? Said some oh stuff about God. Jennifer Aniston that was totally inappropriate. Like said that, said he had a, a past to say the N word, like just really heinous shit. And then I kind of thought he had re- rehabilitated himself. Like he moved to Montana or whatever and like <laughs> that, wore hats and thought about things. <laughs> that classic move to say you're sorry when you're a but man. Reading, reading, this, reading this brought up, I was like, oh, John Mayer, like he's a, clearly a very smart person and very talented, but like very manipulative and very, so, very yeah. creepy. It makes me sad because I love Andy Cohen of Bravo and they're best friends. Yeah. And it makes me pause on Andy because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Eh. Andy, <laughs> Andy, <laughs> John, John Mayer has just had a a murderer's row of girlfriends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's so like uh, you know, I mentioned this at the top, but it really is so. It's it's a tale as old as time. You know, there's someone who is so makes you think that they're very deep, they're very worldly, and like brings you into what is seems to be an intellectual conversation or like dialogue, but of course never actually is because it's actually just a dialogue with himself. It's probably dumb and probably like actually not useful for the world at all. But like he probably thinks he's the smartest person in the world makes you second guess everything that you're saying. So then you think like, it seems like Jessica was like, I I worried for her. I wanted to like hug her that I bet it was, you know, for someone already who has the world like wondering how stupid she is. I bet this was just like so much worse and that anything it seemed like the only thing that they could talk about where she was on equal footing was faith because she actually had a little bit of a leg up on him on that. Yes. He was exactly, after listening to Dear John by Taylor Swift, he was exactly what I what I worried how bad he would be and he, he was even worse. I was like, you are just the worst. There's a very specific male musician mentality. Yeah. We were actually talking about this over on an episode of Chapa Trap House I just did about Tipper Gore and the PMRC and the battle against music indecency in the 80s. And some of the people who spoke out against it, which was the right thing to do, but were uh, some of the like heavy metal guys who we uh, described as as being dumb guys with smart guy affectations, like Glenn Danzig or Henry Rollins. And I think John Mayer is another one of those people who is like essentially a dumb guy, but like is is able to to uh, project that he is like I don't know read books or something intellectual, yeah, or like says that shit about Pee Wee's Big Adventure to like justify. Uh, uh, you know, not giving a shit about what Jessica Simpson has to say about him. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that, that is like, there is that specific kind of like, you know, maybe like sensitive masculine male musician that is the dumb guy with smart guy affectations. 
so true. Yeah, he was so insidious in her life that he would, like, after they had broken up for, like, the 50th time, would, like, be like, oh, like, I just chill with your parents. Like, was <laughs> yeah. <the> good? <laughs> yeah, was hanging out with her family, which also her family Horrible. knew weird, that he sucked weird. and were, like, he emailed her after, you know, yeah, the 50th breakup being like, um, yeah, I was taking a shower at your dad's house and I couldn't figure out how to close the shower door. John Mayer, what yeah. are you doing? What yeah. is wrong with you? She, and also breaking up with someone over email is just like, that's some sicko shit. A hundred times. A hundred times email. all on email. Oh God. And so the, the only other story I want to break up or break up, bring up with John Mayer is that he caused, I didn't, I was not aware of this story that Jessica Simpson was at the Kennedy Center Honors to honor Dolly Parton, Queen Dolly Parton, uh, and sing nine to five. And at this point, she has mentioned that she has been drinking kind of to fight anxiety and to, you know, feel more like just like kind of comfortable in like any kind of social situation or musical situation. And she gets in a screaming fight slash like John Mayer, like calls her right before she's supposed to perform and like yells at her and they get into a huge argument. And then she has to go on stage at the Kennedy Honors, which is like that's a huge deal like a huge high pressure thing that ends up being televised and she bombs she flood she forgets the lyrics mm. in front of a huge audience and then dolly parton bless her heart is like Ugh. honey i don't remember the words to my song either and then jessica gets another chance to sing it without an audience and she still she just can't do it and i'm sorry i'm blaming that solely on john mayer for just like fucking her up it totally is it's right to blame him yeah like that's gross. Made me sad. That was a sad. She had bad coping methods, which she talks about. Yep. But she's not to blame for that. Yeah. So to, also, do, uh, Dolly, just an understanding queen. Uh, to take one half jump over from the other thing that I know to the other thing I know for certain is in this book. Uh, from bad men to good men. Uh, she was singing uh nine to five because she did a recording of it for the movie Dukes of Hazard, in which yes. she played yeah. Daisy Duke, Daisy. uh, opposite. Uh, Johnny Knoxville, right? And I know that there's oh, a Johnny Knoxville a- anecdote in here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She has an emotional affair with Johnny Knoxville, which oh, jealous. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no. Uh, Johnny Knoxville is is a uh, um, a goofy king, and I love him. I, w- I would. That was a yeah. We skipped that. I mean, that was a wild. You know, that was a wild part when she was still married and was just fully in love with Johnny Knoxville, like writing him love letters. Aww. A lot of emails back and forth, emails. probably on AOL with <laughs> Just, like a 2003 interface. Yeah. I really love to picture that. Yeah. Those are the days. Yes. You love to see it. And that honestly, her it sounds like her emotional affair with Johnny Knoxville kind of reminded her like, all right, my my marriage is over. Yeah. 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 I'm fantasizing about about Mr. Jackass. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. So, yeah, now we're kind of getting into the other person that she dates who seems like a real ain't shit dude. This this By this point when she's dating Tony Romo, I just got mad at society in a way that I don't often when I'm reading these books. Remember when she went to see Tony Romo play a football game and he played the worst game of his career and people started booing her, like basically telling her to leave the stadium. His own, Tony Romo's own teammates were going on mic on interviews after the game being like, we don't appreciate Jessica Simpson being here. I'm like, your boyfriend botched the game. (laughs) He was playing the football. It's his fault. You're not playing football, Jessica Simpson. Like that just, I just got so irrationally mad because I remember when that was like a tabloid story and thinking at the time like, oh, ha ha. And now I'm like, that's so wrong. They really did just dirty. I didn't know that story. 
I don't remember that story at all. I missed it completely. It was horrible. Yeah. That's just like men being sports ball yeah. idiots. Sorry. Not taking responsibility for their actions. He was playing the damn game. <laughs> she was wearing like a pink Tony Romo jersey. I think that's like the aesthetics of it. People were like upset. Oh, He's literally a professional athlete who's paid many millions of dollars to do this. Do your job. It's, it's simply not her fault. But I remember I remember in passing um, that headline and also being Molly. I was also like, ah, oh. like, ha ha. Yeah, I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like, especially like kind of post the breakup and post her like third album, she kind of just becomes like a, a, a pop cultural punching bag, right? Pun- punching bag. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, also, she says that Tony lives in a house that is like a total frat house. And instead of getting curtains, he puts garbage bags in the windows and that he <laughs> somehow encourages her to not take any film roles that have on-screen kisses in them, which is basically like zero film roles for women. I wrote in the notes, I said, move this guy to trash. <laughs> I just, I like that she, she does not, not waste any, you know, time making us believe that Tony Romo is a good guy. Like he seems just like he sucks. <laughs> move this guy to trash. And then pairing him, and then when we meet the football player that she does marry. The soulful yoga playing practicing Marion Williamson's seminar attending football player. The other oh, that guy's a football player. He's also a football player. Uh, That rocks. Um, The other only other thing I want to bring up kind of from this time in her life before she ends up like settling down and becoming a mom, which is sort of like the end phase of this particular book is her mom, Jean chili cook off moment. Do you guys remember this being covered in the press? Cause I do. Yeah. Uh, so the, so Jessica is still performing at this point. I'm trying to remember what year this was. Was this like 2008 or I think nine? It's 2009. Yeah. But yeah, around there. And so she plays, she's playing a routine show for like 30,000 people. I think it's like a lot at like a fairground and it's a with rascal flat with rascal flat. <laughs> Thank you. Flats. And she, Important. she's wearing a, a pair of high-waisted boot cut pants and a tank top and has a bunch of, she's like, I felt like I looked great. I felt confident. I had a great show. The crowd loved it. And then later that day, a huge gallery of like essentially paparazzi photos of her making fun of her weight show up. And it just becomes a huge, like unbelievably huge thing of her pictures running of her side by side from like when she was Daisy Duke. And when she was, by the way, like having a basically an eating disorder, taking diet pills and starving herself and looking a certain way and then looking to me completely healthy and normal and hot and hot. And people like lost their minds being like Jessica Simpson. What happened to her? Uh, the funny, the funny thing is also that I'm looking at the picture of, of the offensive jeans. Uh-huh. <laughs> God, the, just the so headline offensive. here is Jessica Simpson too fat. The Hollywood gossip.com. Uh, awful. Uh, these jeans are maybe not the double leopard skin belt over them, uh, but uh, these jeans would be 100% in fashion right now. These are very fashion, were in fact fashion forward jeans. And they were a little ahead of, the high waist was a little ahead of its time. I will yeah. say that. Yes, but right now they, that this would be like absolutely on point uh, thing to wear uh, in terms of jean cuts. And honestly, it's the right decision because watching a bunch of stuff from the early aughts, the waistlines too low. Terrible. Awful. Awful. The rises went way too low for way too long. Get those rises up. Get them up. Uh, The the thing I was struck by in this chili cook-off debacle (laughs) 
is and of course she has a sense of humor. She's like, of course it had to be at a, a chili cook-off. Cook <laughs> but she said she did not. She basically did not fight back at the press because she said she's like I was a hundred and like eighteen pounds and like I was a size four. Like those were like size twenty six. Could have said that, but I didn't. I could have said that, but I didn't because what what would that do to my yeah. young fans who may have been a size bigger or twenty sizes bigger? Oh, and I think that's extremely cool of her, and is also definitely the reason why she is like an inclusive size clothing designer you know, multi, multi-millionaire is that she could, she could have like done some kind of press thing to be like, no, 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 I'm not that fat, but she didn't because she knew that that was the wrong message to send to people yeah. is that who cares if you look like that or if you're way bigger than that really puts you in like an impossible situation. Yeah. Yeah. But I just remember that shit went on for like months. Yeah. I mean, her pop cultural position at this time is just like, it. it is just like one of those no win conditions. Yeah for someone because it's like there, there's nothing you can once you get in that cycle where you become like your very presence in pop culture is like a joke you there you can't fight back against it or else you'll, you'll be portrayed as like uh-huh. whiny or defensive and if you lean into it then you're just in like engaged like engaging that cycle even more um <laughs> i mean right. it, it's very much like can, can i just live <laughs> let me right. just yeah. let me just sing nice songs for the people Again, my overwhelming impression of her is that she's just like a a normal person with a good voice who wants to entertain people. Yeah, I think she's like a genuinely not bad person compared to everyone else. I think she's a genuinely good person. And when forced to choose between these two sort of bad avenues, um, you know, I think sometimes taking the low road and capitalizing on her divorce or... um, you know, capitalizing on this moment and being like, actually, I'm a size four would have brought her some relief in the moment, like personally. But she was actually thinking about, I don't know, I think she was actually like taking some of her morals really with her. And she was like, I don't want to capitalize on my divorce. I just want to move on. I don't want to make my fans feel bad or at least isolate some of them. Yeah. Um, to save my own image or preserve what it was at the height of my fame. Uh, I just want John Mayer to love me, which is an impossible <laughs> <just> dream. Because <laughs> he will never love um, anyone. Right. Exactly. Unless their name is John Mayer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I often, I think also people who are like of faith, I find them to be living a double standard. But when reading this book, I was like, Jessica, you actually like are, are yeah. like someone who takes their faith very seriously. And actually, if I met you, I'd be like, oh, you're a nice person. Yeah. Yes. Which so is like, about this, all you can do. I found this I th- shocking to... Like I, I same boat of like you think of kind of religious hypocrisy, especially like Christian hypocrisy and like especially the way she was positioned as a pop star in the beginning of her career, which was like you don't have to compromise your values to be successful. But she is living it like that. Yeah. That wasn't bullshit. That's what was stunning to me by the end of this book is like if you're if you're living it like you get it, Jess, like you're right. You you took the uncomfortable route every time. And it meant that ultimately you are kind of living a more, uh, I don't know, sanctified is the wrong word, but you're you're living a better life because of it. I mean, even the setup to this book, she says how how scrupulously she lives her life of being like, I was pitched to doing the girl boss book and I sat down yeah. to think about it and I was like, I actually cannot in good conscience write, the, write this book. So she has integrity. Yes. Not a lot of yeah. people do. 
It's uh, like when she won that uh, Honda, they wanted to give her like some sports car and she was like, actually, give me a minivan and then donated it to the, the shelter that she'd been like. Oh, my God. Working with. Yes. For like years. Yeah. I mean, then, that is one of the the tragic things about pop is that that, you know, somebody somebody so, so like maligned as a joke can be so much more integral. Is that the right yeah. word? Then then, you know, uh, all the people at the Hollywood gossip dot com or whatever, you know. And that is often a liability to to live with integrity. Yeah. Yep. And then I have a question that I feel like we have the answer to, but maybe just bears asking anyway, which is, do we do we actually think she's a reliable narrator? Like, do we believe everything that she wrote? Because certainly there's some things that I could imagine some people being like, hey, there was another side to that story. Well, I do believe the John Mayer in that. I think if there were something that was not true, I, I believe he read it or at least like I think he's too self-involved. To uh-huh. not have like read what someone had said about him, that I think he would have been—I don't know—maybe more combative. About yeah, I believe it. that. Look, sure. e- yeah, everybody, no matter what they say, everybody always reads the comments. Yeah, I, I, I trust her. I, I do trust her. Yeah, I think there's times where I think she maybe backed off from going full, like full bore, uh, like yeah. realness, like stuff about her dad. I think she treads lightly because you know her dad went yeah. from. Someone who basically, I think, was, you know, dipping heavily into the bank of Jessica, making a lot of inappropriate comments about her, uh, kind of being a weirdo manager, as parent managers often are. And then she had to fire him. Um, And then when she got married for a second time, he brought a young male model uh, who was not invited to the wedding. Like, she mentions all this stuff, but then she doesn't really, like, dig. And so I feel like there's part... I, I trust her generally and there just might be parts where she isn't totally willing to like get into the, the muck. <laughs> Molly also pointed out that uh that her dad pops up on Vanderpump Rules auditioning Tom Schwartz to model for him. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Season that's, one? It's early, but it's not that early. He, wow, he that's basically a, that's like a good find. he casts Schwartz. It's really weird. That's it's a be strange a, appearance. That's going to be one yike for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And so That's I feel like for Jessica, Tom Jessica leaves leaves you to draw your own conclusions about like her father, for example. Right. Yeah. And and just back to Hannah's question again about sort of the reliability of this source and any source. We I think it's a good point that we do have to kind of um, think about other sides of the story, because obviously she's curating um, the points she wants to highlight the most. And we see that as we talked about um the way she skirts around certain things whether it's um things with her dad whether it's how dumb she was on newlyweds and how much she was really playing a character um but I, I think or her sister which we never like, yeah, we, yeah. talks about ashley oh, yeah. we, talk, we hear their sisterhood but we don't hear about ashley's career like even once at all we hardly do we don't we don't hear at all about snl and we hear that yeah. ashley and solange are friends at one point which i would have loved to know more about we the evidence to prove that. Yes. Um, but uh, but what I what I will say and like the reason I sort of was going off about how, um, you know, I think ultimately if we have to choose and tip the scales, she is a good person is that, um, you know, she may not be the most reliable narrator as no one telling their own story and curating things always is. But in these moments that she highlights that are very big moments, these like inflection points mm-hmm. with um the way she handles a lot of her fame, the way she handles her divorce, the way she handles the, the 
you know, fake overweight scandal, Mm -hmm. 2009 in the twilight of the low rise jeans era. (laughs) (laughs) The the era that we refer to as the rising of the jeans. The rise of the rising of the jeans was just beginning. Um, I, you know, I think in those moments, there is enough evidence from other sources and the way things panned out to show that she did actually like take the path of maybe more resistance, but the morally better path in those moments. Mm -hmm. And so in that case, I think, you know, those moments are big enough inflection points that we can kind of like glean from her, but also from other sources and the way we, we know things played out that, that she um, was being good. You were being good, Jessica. (laughs) (laughs) You just want to, you just want to kind of give, like give her a a supportive handshake and say, you, you did a good job. You did a good job, Jess. Yeah. No more handshakes. I think she could have even been meaner about it, which is why I trust her. Yeah. She could have, there is some stuff. Yeah. I bet she left out some some stuff. Well, we've got about a uh, twenty minutes left on this recording. If yeah. we want to, uh, we can maybe we move, can power move into through to the, the end, uh, the end part of her story. Yeah, and then we, final take. We can get through the end, which is you know she meets uh, Eric, the the father of her children and her current current husband, the, um, the uh, football player with his with the opened third eye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This woke this woke retired footballer, um, and so like you know in some ways like the universe is kind of giving it, it seems like she's positioning at the universe is giving her her reward is that you know she's a mother and uh has this like finally like what seems like a genuinely good dude uh who by the way like met sort of by chance he came over to her house where she was like oh we were just watching basketball except also there was a magician there <laughs> yeah. doing card tricks for people i'm like i want an invite to jessica simpson's house in the in the teens because that shit sounds fun as hell. You're you're hanging out. There's probably good food and like drinks everywhere and like Ashley Simpson singing show tunes in the backyard and this guy named Justin Credible is <laughs> doing card tricks. I'm obsessed with the idea of there like being and also a magician in things. Like you don't have to like the, you don't have to pay attention to the magician, but if you want to like glance over and see a card disappear like that is an, an option. I don't want the magician to be imposed on me, but I want it to be available. <laughs> she knows how to party. She does, but a little, a little too hard in the end. So she has this, you know, this, this sense of, you know, family and, and romance and like finally kind of being where she's supposed to be there. But it just, it seems like it's basically years and years of trauma from, you know, a mm. very young age catch up to her and cause her anxiety. And she deals with that kind of the way she's been learning to deal with that more and more over the years, which is to drink. She says she drinks glitter cups, which are uh, like plastic tumblers full of vodka and flavored Perrier, which I'm like, that's that's kind of classy. Did you say glitter yeah. cups? Glitter cups, one that's word. Um, and then she's also on, she gets on like, a, she just calls it a stimulant. So she's like also wired, which lets her drink more. She's, um, she's doing one of those uh, those secret drugs they only let celebrities do. Yeah, something special. And then she's taking Ambien to sleep. Um, she talks about she goes on a 35th birthday trip to St. Bart's. And she says, I was not sober for a minute of the trip. Like she's just kind of I can I can understand it. Like she just like lets things has let things get a little out of control because yeah. she's just got so much to process and never really did. And so she has the her rock bottom, which is 
comes at the beginning of the book, but we'll talk about right. it at the end of the pod, which is she's like planning a giant Halloween party and she's watching her kid uh, do a talent show at school and she's getting dressed like Willie Nelson, her personal friend, Willie Nelson <laughs> for Halloween. No, seriously, BFF. Like <laughs> seriously. So, so, so sweet that. Yeah, I. Oh, that's adorable. And then just kind of like gets super drunk at her Halloween party and like disengages and like doesn't take care of her kids. Like she just kind of, it sounds like she really like shuts down. And the next yeah. day has her friends end up kind of having this, her friend slash assistants. <laughs> she, she, her, her social circle seems to be people who are like extremely loyal, but also on the payroll, which mm. fair, yeah. you know, I think that's going to happen if you're that celeb for that long, but she has this, ex, uh, this, intervention where she ends up talking to a therapist uh on on the phone detailing years and years of trauma and you know abuse and anxiety and everything uh while she's getting her hair extensions put in that scene to me is so day one of right so interesting that she's like on the phone with the therapist being like oh yeah well i guess things all started when meanwhile she's getting like this blonde hairdo assembled like surrounded by worker bees, but yeah. that's 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 her that's her rock bottom. She decides to stop drinking. Her husband stops drinking too. This wonderful man. Now that support. And he's she, a wonderful man. Yeah, he seems yeah. totally legit. So, and that's kind of where she ends at a point of being, you know, basically still trying to emerge from all the bullshit bullshit that she's handled in her life but now has kind of something to share, which is the book. Yeah. Uh, I, a real buried lead lead here is the billion dollar clothesline. Cause uh, honestly, you know, uh, get, get it, Jessica. Yeah. Uh, the Jessica Simpson collection is everywhere. I've always thought that it is so ugly, but I am not their target audience and that's fine. It just, it's one of those she things. Does a great, she's very successful. Yeah. On that. Uh, it's just, uh, it's one of those things where like, Hearing that Jessica Simpson has a billion dollar clothing line that I've never heard of until now is just making me wonder how many like random celebrities are are just like making buckets of money off cloth clothesline that appears exclusively at like Kohl's or something that but I've that's never where heard most of. Most people shop. I know. I, I that is where people get clothes. She yeah. wanted Lauren to make Conrad. Clothes yeah, for yeah real sure. People. That's a, that's like another name that if are are you, is that for real that she has a, a very for real. yeah 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 J-Lo. of course that totally makes sense yes uh, obviously. Yeah. But actually, no one does it like Jessica. Like, she is the premier. She's, like, the biggest. All her shoes are at DSW. That's how uh-huh. I know. Ah. Uh, I will also say, as an aside, uh, Google Jessica Simpson Willie Nelson because her Willie Nelson costume is actually extremely top tier. She does a great job yeah. dressing up I mean, as Willie she Nelson. Talks about, she talks about that picture and how she is wasted off of her mind and immediately passes out after that picture mm-hmm. and, like, couldn't take her kids trick-or-treating and, like... It, it's definitely a moment of like Instagram versus reality. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of sad to look at that picture now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good job with the costume nonetheless. I know. <laughs> Did you guys it. know that she posted three days ago on Instagram the Rolling Stones cover? Really? No. Yeah, because she posts Housewife of the Year looks a little different these days. And it's a photo of her like holding her Swiffer wet jet like in a whole like. It, yeah. In, yeah. And her like sweatpants. She also I forgot she went viral when she was pregnant for for the third time with. Oh, yeah. Remember the 2009 versus 2019 photo challenge. And she took yeah. a picture of her ankles 
Swole, her swollen yeah. ankles and people it was like one of those like kind of body positive moments where people were like yeah that happened to me too when i had kids i exploded thanks jessica uh i gotta say i'm on jessica simpson's instagram right now and she she pulls off some pretty dope fits she does uh she posts a lot without makeup too oh my god like i'm looking at, a she's in a, a snake skin jumpsuit that connects to her high heel boots <laughs> Yeah, it's she, it's pretty awesome. Oh, she's got she's she's working a suit. I I like that she's working suits in the later in her middle to later years. That's that's cool. Um, so the last the last point of the book, the last quote I want to read was just her talking about you know emotions, where she says we need to own our own we need to own our weakness, our hurt, our pain, and say it out loud so that we can name what is coming up and why. You deserve it. You deserve to feel the heartbreak and the pain so that once and for all you stop holding yourself back from feeling whatever it is that you've tried to mask. And she did that in this book. Uh, well, as with all these pop star books, I um, end up leaving with a lot more respect for the pop stars than, than I went in. Not that I don't have respect for pop stars. I have I have, a, a, despite how silly I think many of them are, uh, uh, I have a tremendous respect for how hard it is to to do yeah. that thing, it's hard work, and go through yeah. that that ringer. But every time we do one of these, I I end with even even a higher level uh, of respect than I do going in. So, yeah. especially for somebody who I'm, he, who when we started this, I was like, I have no opinion about this. And as we went through, I was like, oh yeah, I just I guess like everyone else, I just considered her a joke of the aughts. And now realizing like what would put you in that situation and how difficult it would be to go through that. Yeah, I think there's something I think that's so real. And I even felt, you know, a different version, but um, something similar to what you're sharing, even though I am someone who like builds literally my life around being obsessed with pop stars. But there's something, you know, also kind of sad about. Um, whenever I have these moments where I learn more, I listen to a really in-depth interview or I read a, a memoir or anything, or even a long Instagram caption, and I suddenly have a newfound respect. And it just reminds me that the way that pop stars are created is not set up to respect them. Like we should just respect them because they're humans and they're doing work and we yeah. get to consume their content that they're and their art. But there's something that like, until we kind of get these peaks behind the curtains, we are like not given, um, we're not taking the, the the opportunities to really give these pop stars respect. And I think it's a good reminder to kind of like uh, to, to face forward with respect, at least for me, because she's not someone I would have thought necessarily I wasn't respecting. Um, but I, I definitely like having this new perspective on her made me realize I should be a little more generous with everyone. People are so self possessive about their tastes too, that even mm. if it's not something for something that's very much not for you and you know, we should listen to with you before we go out because you know yeah. that, that would probably be what I guess what people would think is her best or biggest or song or something like. Even if Jessica Simpson's music is very uh, light um, yeah. and and you know not for like necessarily for the uh, like a whatever a serious music connoisseur or like uh, you know if if you're like a raucous person or whatever it's not for you. People get so um, aggressive about being like oh then their value is is less because their music is light right. but I, I don't know i just this i just had this like weird metaphor of being like you know it's kind of like you know the the garbage man who picks up garbage on a street that's not yours like they're still doing extremely like like necessary work that that is for someone else but it's just like not on your street or something i don't know if that's a good metaphor but it was just like you know there are lots of people who do work in society that you do not interact with and you don't have to judge them for not doing it for you yeah, I mean, you can just respect people um, 
for even if they are not catering to you specifically. And yeah. I think that's a good thing to learn in any category. Yeah. All right. Should, Should we, we listen to with you and yeah. then and then move confidently into the end of this pro- podcast? Let's do it. All right. Here's with you. Oh, iconic opening. Oh. Another good karaoke song. Oh, yeah. yeah. It has a good... Uh, it, I don't think it ever can be a level karaoke song. Uh, uh, so, pop songs in this era love to have a little guitar line that goes... Kind of like Jesse and McCartney, yeah. Beautiful Soul. And then like a mix Very in the background. Like yeah. a kind of like a record. Yeah. Is it, is it Scrubs that has that too? Yeah, I think so. I also seriously think that I have never heard this song in my life. Well, congratulations. I really, I really don't think I have. I have no memory not even like in a supermarket maybe i have no memory of the of at any point in my life hearing this song and actually making connection that this is like oh this is jessica simpson i would also like to point out that this song which is about you know feeling comfortable with someone like just being yourself like no makeup that predates both the drake sweatpants hair tied chilling with no makeup on and the one direction you don't know you're beautiful she's she's doing that first better maybe all right well let's move confidently with this is a score to the end part of the episode uh would you guys like to uh plug your show (laughs) any of you (laughs) someone someone just start the plug we are a podcast Hannah, Becky, and I called The B-Sides, also uh, stemming from a newsletter that Hannah started. Please interrupt me at any time, but essentially what our podcast is, um, is an appreciation of pop music podcast, um, an exploration of, you know, the intersections between pop and politics. And, you know, we're all over the map. We, mm-hmm. we have a lot of different interests that intersect and... Uh, you will see that if you look at our episode roster. Uh, that's great. Uh, and oh, yeah. I guess it goes without saying that if you if you like this, you'll like that. Uh, this is a great time. We we um, Season one has wrapped. It's coming later in 2020. So it's a great listen for quarantine. Yeah. And then join the Facebook group. Follow yeah. us on Instagram. Give us suggestions about things that we should be looking at. Um, we're thankful to Molly for being like, would you want to read book and talk about it? I'm so glad you did. Especially glad that you listened to the audiobook. I feel like I might honestly have to like maybe listen to it too again at some point <laughs> when I'm a little less emotional. <laughs> I don't know. When will that be? Who can say? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we'll we'll link to all of your links in the show notes because the Facebook group is really awesome and honestly the only good thing about like way to use Facebook, Facebook. anymore ever. Maybe we should start a Facebook group or like a Reddit or something. Right. I don't know. <laughs> so great. Uh, great, great. Cool. Well, thank thank you all for yeah. for coming on and talking to us. What song is this? Oh, is this like a is this a Christmas, <laughs> a Christmas song? song. She has only two wish. Christmas albums. I still know it. Neither. She, she is in the perfect position to just release Christmas albums. 
Yeah, she really is. Um, well, I'll, I'll let this continue continue playing out. Christmas songs also love doing that thing where it's like, totally. Anyway, yeah, come back on. We'll put a pin in another like nine months or so. We'll have you guys back on and do another like big, big, goofy pop artist. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, of course. It was a pleasure. The Demi episode, I mean, this is great. And the Demi episode is one of my favorites. This was wonderful. But let us. Demi wasn't a book, though. It's just quotes. She, but we did it. Oh we yeah, it, it was like her her affirmations, her daily affirmations book. Daily affirmations. Hey, well, He's look. back now. She, de- look, She's Demi's back. Demi now. Lots to talk about with Demi. Uh, well, maybe we'll do a Demi part two. <laughs> Love it. Uh, cool for the winter. Uh, anyway, follow us on Twitter at and intropod. Send us an email at andintroducingpod at gmail.com. Ooh, we haven't checked the email in a while. We should go go to the mailbag in the next episode. So this is a good time to send us emails. Uh, our SoundCloud is, as always, at soundcloud.com slash and dash, intro dash. pod. And subscribe to us on iTunes and rate and review. Uh, you know. My mom was impressed that um, we, we have so many nice reviews. Aw, that's <laughs> yeah. great. Impress Molly's mom. Impress my mom. <laughs> and until then, we'll be back in another two weeks with a story of music musicians. Are we doing dance music next? Yeah, I think so. Excellent. <laughs> as if we haven't done enough uh, club dance music. Uh, until then, thank you for listening to and introducing the beauty of your eyes of all the things I could see. You're the only gift I need. My only wish for Christmas is you. Yeah, 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 yeah. My only wish for Christmas is you.